1: Football reign supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports
2: Today. Radio Chuck Oliver Show, and we are tearing through it, man. It's a Friday in February. Got too much to talk about. When I look at the Ole Miss program, there is so much that I've really been positive about over the last uh, couple of seasons and off seasons. It was a commentary, Lane looking at Auburn and going, "Mm, I don't know what the offer, if it was, I don't know any of that. I don't know how real it was or if it was just footsie, but Lane's like, no, I'm good. And I think he kind of meant it. In the 12-team era, I think he really means it. With our next guest, I'm just going to start. I'm going to pick up the cart and throw it miles ahead of the horse. Brett Norsworthy, WHBQ, Memphis Afternoon Drive co-host. Welcome back to the program, friend. How are you today?
3: Doing really well, Chuck. One time I heard a person say he wanted to put the, the horses before the cart, and I said, that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> the horses are supposed to go in front of the cart.
2: <laughs> it, it's February. We've got signing day in like four days. We've got practice coming up for Spr- all this stuff coming up. I'm going to skip all the way. What's Oxford, like the city, the town, the vibe, the feel? Imagine waking up on Saturday before Christmas, December 21st, and there's a playoff game on campus. What's that look like around Oxford? I can go
3: you one better. You know, one of those games is going to be a Friday night game. How about the six-seed Ole Miss Rebels against the 11-seed Memphis Tigers in Oxford on Friday night that weekend?
2: Oh, snap. What, what 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 would that be like it's almost because I've been looking about the on-campus games and there'll be four of them one as you said uh-huh. on the Friday night and then three on that Saturday uh-huh. to me it's almost like for the right program it's almost like the SEC championship game come came to your town Chuck it will be the it will be the biggest event for a lot
3: of places ever in their football history not at everybody you know if, if for the Ohio right program State, yeah if, if Ohio State slid to a five, it wouldn't be for them. But for, for Ole Miss, it would be. And and frankly, Chuck, Ole Miss fans, we're expecting to be in those playoffs. It might be on Friday night. It might be on that Saturday. It might be as one of the pr- preferred seeds at one, two, three, or four. But we're, we're expecting to be in those playoffs. We'll, we'll go way cart before the horse. We're expecting it. Coach Lane Kiffin's expecting it. And he's kind of – He's kind of coaching us into expecting it. He's managing us into, the, into those expectations.
2: All right, well, let's talk about the actual headlines here. Uh, they, they're adding coaches. They're adding off-field personnel. Um, there's been a departure of a couple of coaches, also uh, off-field their GM or recruiting guy, et cetera. Just talk about some of the new personnel, George McDonald, Joe Cox coming in, um, et cetera.
3: Well, we love Joe Cox. We love Joe Cox when he played at Georgia, tough guy had had kind of had that linebacker mentality at quarterback and, and, and as, a, as a fun-loving guy and a great recruiter and and I I think far coach Lane Kiffin he wanted a mix of recruiters but also coaches to get better in season he saw it at Alabama I think one of the biggest things everybody learns out of that Alabama shop is how much better they get on Tuesday and Wednesday in season. Now now Georgia is doing that with Kirby. He, he took that there. Steve Sarkeesian is trying to take it to Texas there. It's hard to do. you got to get your roster right. But I think he got coaches to really player develop in season on Tuesday and Wednesday in September, October, November.
2: All right. So ahead of signing day, uh, what's that going to look like for Ole Miss? Is a lot of their work already done? Most of it's done, might be one or two nice additions, but most of it
3: is done, and they're really pleased with it. It was a good year in state, and Ole Miss certainly did well in state. Next year is off the charts in state, and Coach Lane Kiffin's got a head start on that. But we we know now in college, a lot of it is portal. A lot of it is the free agent world, but you still have to have a good mix, and they're very pleased with it.
2: All right, so let's talk uh, off-field then because Austin Thomas, uh, he had left, and that set off a little bit of a chain reaction and it's Auburn and it's LSU and it's Ole Miss and a few others. Billy Glasscock comes in from Texas. That's not nothing. Uh, How significant is it to grab a guy away from a program with the kind of resources they got in Austin?
3: Well, it's great, and really everybody is kind of getting that Alabama building in those positions. Austin Thomas just did Oh Miss, a great job. He's been to LSU before. He's going back. I don't know if we ever get him back, but you know, this crazy world, we may. But we get a great one in from Texas, and you're you're kind of on a coaching conveyor belt out there with Sark, Kiffin. Kirby, and it, it all emanates from the Alabama shopping coach Nick Saban. What what he did, what he showed them, I mean, it is the blueprint. as to go out and do what he did uh, it will, will, will almost be impossible. Kirby's got the best shot of doing that, but Sark's got a chance, and, and Lane, Lane Kiffin feels very good about the opportunities that exist at Ole Miss, and you're right. on what, Whatever the, the flirtation was with Auburn, he's just really settled in. He's comfortable where he is in his life. He's comfortable with with a lot of things on and off the field in his life. And, you know, we, we, we've loved him from day one in Oxford, and now he actually loves us back a little bit.
2: Wrapping up, Brett Norsworthy, WHBQ Memphis, afternoon drive co-host there. Uh, all right. Uh, what was your your personal worry meter, one to ten, when you first saw a $40 million lawsuit against Lane, the university, everybody involved. what was your personal worry meter and then when you saw it was dismissed uh, were you surprised in the least
3: I, I had none and I really felt for the, the the student athlete that was involved in that i'm I'm sorry for the the despair and his loss and his life of of a loved one during those times and we know mental health issues right now are are a real challenge for for everyone and i I felt sorry for him it was nothing to it. And and I asked someone in the building if they were worried about it. It's that first kind of big screaming headline. Yep. They said, "No, we're not worried about it at all because it is it is one person. It is a one-off. It is isolated. You know, when it's a concern is when two or three more allege that, or four or five more allege that. Then you have a problem. And there was no problem there. And I'm just re- I really feel sorry for him."
2: Yeah, and now it is in the rear view, and uh, what's happening next Because again, like a lot of the, the top-tier programs, signing day itself in February is not going to be that eventful. So then there's spring practice. Lane, um, I want to talk philosophically here because Lane was the first to be real transparent about it. He's like, this is like a mini camp now. Like, we used to almost decide stuff. He says, almost spring practice. He says, one of it is afterwards you look around at areas where you you have a deficiency, and like in the NFL, you go get a guy. Um, how, how do you expect that to look going forward? Like when we get to that may, uh, post spring practice period for Ole Miss.
3: Chuck, I think he had someone after that. And we know there are roster cuts at that time of year. That's and true. that's just where we are in college football. I know that verbiage, uh, cuts a little sharp with a lot of people, but it's where we are. We have general manager, we have player personnel directors, we have cuts and everybody has to un- understand that. And free agents, we we have it year-round, it feels like now. I think we'll get through spring and maybe assess a few things and see if there uh, might might need to be an addition or two, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if they had some. Had had a couple last summer that really didn't work out that well. Jam Griffin from Oregon State, and it did, didn't work out real well. It wouldn't surprise me if they had it this year, but you're right. It is It is, it, it is kind of an OTA forum more than it is, you know, blood and gut spring practices like we knew once upon a time. You know, just nobody's doing that anymore. Everybody's trying to really get sharp. It's not necessarily to see who's tough and who can play. They know who's tough and who can play at all miss.
2: All right. So walk me through what you would project entering spring, exiting spring, the quarterback depth chart, just because we know so many of those names, but it's still like the starter is coming back and he looks like a different player now.
3: Yeah, it's it, it's Jackson Dart. You saw him at at the Peach Bowl sure, and how sir, he performed yeah. there. And even with his reception at the Peach Bowl, I warned you, you and Heath pregame, it might be some chicanery there. I I couldn't tell much more, but uh, he's really locked in. And he's had to compete hard every spring and every August since he's been at Oxford. They want him to compete, but they really just want him to get sharp and play well because he's the starter. He'll be a Heisman Trophy candidate. And if he can go out there this year and, you know, maybe touch 30 touchdown passes, keep interceptions down around five, do something on the ground, he could be in New York.
2: What about after him? Because he's the starter and he's coming back and he's the guy Lane wants. I mean, like all of this is Jackson Dart, but there are some really high profile, either recruits, transfers, reclassifications, like everybody on scholarship at Ole Miss at quarterbacks, they've got some attention on them.
3: Yeah, and Chuck, they they feel really good about Walker Howard That when he has to go in. Now, Austin Simmons is also playing baseball, so I don't know how much time he will give to both because he he can really help Mike Bianco's baseball team this spring. But at the Peach Bowl, you'll remember, second play of the game, Jackson Dart got hurt. I mean, it looked like he was going to have to come out a series or two, and Austin Simmons was warming up on the sideline like he was about to go in. The left-hander, very highly recruited. But I think Walker Howard would be designated the, the, the number two in spring and coming out of spring. But that could change with competition.
2: Brett, certainly appreciate you making some time, friend. Have a great Friday and the rest of your weekend. Always, Chuck. Thank you so much. WHBQ, Aaron Memphis, Afternoon Drive co-host. So it is a totally different environment for Jackson Dart. A uh, kid who had obviously knows huge recruit. Southern Cal transfer got to fight his way up, and Luke Altemire's kid has already played, and he's local. And well, he's gone. There, there's something about Lane. When we look at a quarterback competition, I think Lane, the Matt Corral, John Rice Plumley thing. Raise your hand if you fell down on the side of John Rice Plumley. Is going to be when Lane got the job, they had both guys there. I thought John Rice Plumley was going to be the starter because. At that point, he may have been the single best running quarterback in college football. It's like, how many single best does Ole Miss have? Well, Matt Corral did what Lane wanted to do. And so that's why it turned into that. Matt Corral, John Rice Plumlee was never, outside of injuries and no other choice, he was never going to be the quarterback. I don't want to say maybe that definitively. Jackson Dart was always going to be the quarterback. And then he followed. Now, the quarterback has to do his part. The coach looks at a kid and thinks, this is the skill set. This is the mentality. It's all there. And then the guy has to come back from summer workouts and whatever else and take over. And that's what Jackson Dart did. So now you've got a five-star and Walker Howard, who had already been legacy at LSU. Dad played quarterback there way back, I want to say mid-90s. And he goes to LSU and takes the pulse. He's like, I'm going to hang out in Ole Miss for maybe a year. And then then it's not going to be a year. And so I have a five-star who already sat at LSU, has already now sat at Ole Miss. You don't have to sit again. And you have a kid who was a sophomore who reclassified to graduate right here, right now, and I want to show up in Oxford. Okay. I don't think that's as wise to fast forward it like that. We just saw maybe the number one or two or three quarterback in America, a kid out of Cartersville, Georgia. It's the same thing. Play a little more quarterback, not a little less. But Lane brings them all in. And like I said, he is the – just keeps in into Oxford. Hi, I'm a four-star, five-star quarterback recruit. Hi, I'm a former five-star who's a transfer. Hi, I know you have a two-year starter, and I'm a barring injury no one other than him is going to start, much less me. See, it can't be Walker Howard, You're one play away. You don't know that. Maybe the other transfer. Maybe the high school recruit. Maybe the kid who was a sophomore. Maybe they asked. It's just one play from the job being open. And then there's all these other guys that we know their names and their backgrounds and we've seen them play before and they've actually produced. All right, now we'll choose from one of you. But only if... He gets hurt. Good for Lane. All right, we're going to break and, uh, oh, look at it this Friday. We're going to hurry up and come back and talk more college football.
1: king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country
2: it's the chuck oliver show friday on chuck oliver show and i say it So many times all year, all all college football, Chuck Oliver show. And then I I sometimes stray. I'm going to stray a little bit, but it's still football. Pro football in particular, but it's all a football. It used to be fueled by desperation and savagery until money ruined it all and took that away from us. Were y'all watching football on your TV last night? at all in any related way. Jason Kelsey finally hit the five-point target on his long snap, and after one night on the UCF campus, the NFC has a Pro Bowl lead on the AFC. CeeDee Lamb, epic in dodgeball. Helped the NFC extend its lead. I was a third grader, 1977, you go way back. Um, I watched my first Pro Bowl in January 1977, 24 to 14 on the original Monsanto AstroTurf in Seattle, the best players in the league cutting each other in half, four quarters. Winners got $2,000 each. The losers got 1500 Players couldn't get to the game fast enough. Art Shell, Jim Langer, Dan Deerdorf, Jack Hamm, Frank O'Harris, Drew Pearson, Dave Casper, Ray Guy, Walter Payton. Heath, anything in common with all those names I'm throwing out there? Not a lot of Hall of Famers there, Chuck. Couldn't Bob Greasy, Joe DeLama Lord, Gene Upshaw. Folks, couldn't Ken Houston... Mike Haynes, Roger Worley, could Roger stop couldn't get there fast enough. Go YouTube your computer and watch the 1977 Pro Bowl. As a third grader, I didn't understand context, but you know what I understood? Looks kind of like the game I see most Sundays on TV. I was kind of entertained. It was on a Monday night. They said, Monday night football, we roll right along, live from Seattle, the Pro Bowl guys who knew they were going to the Hall of Fame already. You want to come to Seattle for a week, practice, run around and play a game in a crappy stadium on bad, fuzzy cement. Bad AstroTurf. And if everybody else does their job, you get $2,000. If you come up short, you get 1500 Roger Staubach, sign me up. He got fifteen hundred dollars. AFC 124-14. Winners got two grand. Losers fifteen hundred. Do you know Heath? Did you watch any of the Pro Bowl games last night?
4: Not a second. Celtics and Lakers were on, and I was busy watching the Celtics embarrass themselves.
2: Do you know who Miles Killebrew is? The uh, defensive back. Not Pick, not springing to mind actually. C- catches punts for the Steelers. Huh. He caught six footballs from a jugs machine while holding on to each of the previously launched footballs. There was a contest, Heath. We're going to launch punts into the air, see how many you can catch, hang on to, and then catch another. Miles Killebrew fair catching six footballs at this year's Pro Bowl games? That gets him $80,000 if his team wins. Roger Staubach ran around for a week, then took hits for two and a half quarters till he got replaced. Fifteen hundred dollars couldn't get to Seattle after the Super Bowl. By the way, Pro Bowl, another game. Sign me up. Fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, I just looked up
4: Miles Killebrew in a hurry because whenever there's a pro player, especially a pro player of any stature, and I don't have any memory of them existing before the pros, I'm always curious where they were. Southern Utah, for the record, on Miles Killebrew is where he played his college ball so that would explain why not being a Steelers fan or Lions before that he had not really you come missed on an epic radar. performance
2: in the catch the punts and hang on to it and catch another punt from the Jugs machine contest last night he
4: I'm sure I did I actually believe it or not actually covered a Pro Bowl one year the uh, the Pro Bowl after the 99 season 2000 Super Bowl the infamous Ray Lewis Super Bowl uh, I was out there for ESPN. And uh, it was it was nice being there for one year at the Pro Bowl in Hawaii, but I, I let's just say the effort level had declined already quite a bit from the game you're talking about.
2: There, there, there was clearly there was one year clearly like this fifteen hundred bucks for a Hall of Famer, two thousand for the winner. That was out of whack. That was an extreme out of whack. So is this? My wonder is like what year was the perfect balance struck that all the best players still showed up and busted tail, but were finally realizing, hey. I don't have to do this anymore because of the money. Like, at what point there was a perfect balance? Dodgeball with C.D. Lamb is not it.
4: So a couple of quick things here, Chuck. One, um, with regards to Kentucky, and the Liam Cohen thing, as of this moment, not official, but it's obvious that's where everybody expects it to go. Uh, Brock Vandegrift's father has told the uh, folks at Kentucky Sports Radio that he will remain with Kentucky even if Cohen leaves, saying, quote, lions don't worry about the opinions of sheep. Of course, it's also worth noting that, the departure of a offensive coordinator wouldn't activate the transfer portal for him anyway. It would take Stoops leaving, so he doesn't have any choice but to stay there through spring and presumably with a starting job in his hand in the SEC, he's not leaving no matter who they hire. But for the record, he's saying, oh, yeah, no issues there. Also, Chuck, uh, Clemson is giving some of their coaches contract extensions. Wes Goodwin, Chuck, you've, you've had two years to watch him yep. as defensive coordinator of Clemson. What, what, what do you think of Wes Goodwin so far?
2: I think it's been pretty good enough production, but they've got NFL guys everywhere, and the production has been pretty good enough.
4: It's 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 been all right. I mean, for a guy who had never been a coordinator before, it's been all right. Yeah. Wes Goodwin's going to make $1.4 million this coming God year. God bless Chuck. Wes Goodwin. I mean, when did we get to the point where it just became automatic that everybody just— uh, seven figures for all of you. Let's just start throwing— me- who exactly there was is no coming? market there no one who's coming for west goodwin no i mean, one. We, we, when people say oh there's not enough money to pay the players and and whatnot when that's been the excuse all these years and then you give west goodwin off of two thoroughly unremarkable years fine not special and some real issues year one he got better from year one yeah, to year two absolutely true but but no one is coming saying we're going to grab west goodwin out of the upstate of south carolina and if you don't pay him 1.4, man, we're coming with 1.2, and he's ours. No one's doing that. These schools just have so much money sometimes that they just feel like, eh, let's just
2: throw it at them anyway. Well. There's no reason to do that. Now you have to give the guy a raise to $2 million if he actually has a good year. And part of it is, just a small part of it, when you're nonprofit, if you got it, you have to spend it. You, you can't just keep it. You can't turn a profit and then, like, divvy it up. You have to spend it. So this is the way to do that.
5: $5 minimum balance required.
1: Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show
2: on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show talking college football. We turned 10 this year. Yeah, yes. I want a bike. Nine states, 60 sticks, two hours a day. It's all college football. Time was there would be grown men, some ladies, We're in the South. Grown men taking vacation days that first Wednesday of February. Why? Well, good signing day. It was sort of an unofficial holiday. You turn into one, and that is not the case anymore. So much of the work gets done back in December, and name, image, likeness starts, and the early enrollees and everything, and so the calendar has 100% flipped out there. There are still some unsigned kids. Uh, there's still some work to be done, and every so often an opportunity presents itself. Well, I welcome all right now. Yahoo Sports rivals, all that. National recruiting director, he knows what it's about. Adam Gorney, welcome back to the program, man. How you doing? Doing great. How are you, man? Doing good. Uh, it's just, a, I guess, a formality, but Ryan Williams hasn't actually signed a sheet of paper. Uh, he'll do that, or he'll scan it on his phone or, or whatever. Um, he's going to Alabama. Tell me about the talent, because anybody who says, but he's only 165. Oh, yeah, Devonta Smith. Um, tell yeah. me what you think about Ryan Williams, because that kid's blown everybody away, despite being a year early.
6: Yeah, this is one of the best receiver recruiting classes in a very long time, um, and he is arguably number one if not number two or three so jeremiah smith is the best receiver in the country we have him as the number one player in the country might be the best receiver in high school since julio jones he's that good so that's the bar uh ryan williams is right there we moved him to number two wide receiver in the country a phenomenal talent who just like you said Devonte smith uh, just gets open and makes catches and moves the ball and puts up huge yards. Um, He's not going to blow you away physically like Smith or Cam Coleman, who's going to Auburn, um, but he just makes plays and catches everything. So we love him. He's a five-star for us, which means we think he'll end up being a first-round draft pick down the road.
2: So, Crystal Ball, this, not an actual player, but just the program, the approach, the results. Uh, We're on in Alabama, a bunch of places. Tell a Tide fan what they may expect from Kalen DeBoer and his staff and his approach.
6: Yeah, so... You know, following Nick Saban is going to be an impossible job. It would be for anyone. Um, It's just, you know, the guy after the guy is usually the one that that finds that level of success and and happiness. Um, But there could not have been a better hire to replace him. First, he wins. So I think that will, uh, you know, satiate a lot of the concern about Alabama fans. Now, of course, it's the SEC and of course, it's Alabama. And of course, it's Nick Saban. So every decision he makes will be scrutinized like did would would nick have done this would nick have punted there would nick have taken this guy all of those things he's going to have to overcome but the guy wins i mean he won uh 90 of his games leading into the into this season he had the two best two-year history in washington football history and took the huskies to the national championship this year now the argument against him is that, yes, he did that, but he did it with someone else 's players he didn 't bring in a lot of those guys, but still he did it. Uh, you know he still had beat Oregon twice uh, this year, and Oregon was a pretty damn good football team. So I think what he 's going to do is be a very steady hand he 's not going to be super flashy um, but he 's going to win he 's going to bring, bring players in, obviously a concern about some guys leaving for the portal and there's going to be an adjustment period because he's never coached in the sec before but winning is a is a skill uh he knows how to do it and he's done it at many places uh sioux falls is not a very easy place to win and he basically won every single game he ever coached there
2: all right i want to go back and it's not often i say hey softball just talk about all the good stuff you mentioned jeremiah <laughs> yeah. smith um big is just big but this kid is so much more than 6 215 and When you look at a skill set, like how did he has a perfect score from one of the recruiting services? How do you judge him? Because like a kid on Friday night, like a typical high school kid, is just not going to have any chance against a player like Jeremiah Smith.
6: Yeah, one. Well, what I love most about J.J. Smith is that he's insanely super competitive. So it's not like he just, you know, used his physical tools and went out there and caught some balls and didn't put up a lot of stats. Um, He showed up to every event possible. He was, you know, he played seven on seven every weekend for years. He went to every camp and event. He, He even worked out with the Elite 11 quarterbacks this summer. Maybe in an attempt to kind of get a feel for them and see who he wanted to play with in college. But even that level of, of dedication and care is something that stands out. And then he couples that with his insane physical ability. He's six three, two fifteen already, but he's not stiff. He runs really smoothly. He has great hands, uh, gets open, can go deep, can catch things across the middle. Very I think people are going to be kind of reminded of Marvin Harrison a little bit at Ohio State of him um, so I think he has all those qualities it's it's like the physical stuff mixed with the competitive nature I think is going to be is going to be great and then at Ohio State, you know you do worry about receivers getting lost in the shuffle there a little bit just because the room mm-hmm. is yep. so loaded, but you also like that he can't be double teamed over the top because someone else uh, is is almost as good as him so he's going to have opportunities to catch the ball there and then i love that julian saying uh transferred from alabama and ohio state because now he's going to have one of the best quarterbacks in the country to get him the ball on almost every play
2: All right, wrapping up, Adam Gorney, (laughs) National Recruiting Director, Rivals, Yahoo Sports. Okay, let's talk a little UF and Billy Napier. Not, oh my goodness, how is this going to turn out? Sky's falling. It may very well be falling, and I don't think it's going to turn out, but that's not the question. Um, It doesn't have to fail, but it will require right here, right now production from some 18 year old kids. Uh, Talk Lagway talk the lineman who didn't go to auburn mccray talk uh miles anybody who you look at and go true freshman and he can help billy napier right now including a quarterback who's entering a program where the starter is still there
6: yeah i lived in gainesville for a few years and i know the expectations there i was there during the urban meyer years which you know no one could have really complained about um but they demand excellence there and they demand it early so Napier is not only on the hot seat, everyone knows that, but he's on the verge of like, all right, we're done with him. There's no coming back from this. But he continues to recruit well. Now, there were some misses down the stretch, but he can but he still uh you know got DJ Lagway, who is who's a very interesting subject. And and I'll say this. He put up just humongous stats in high school, but he was playing in rural Texas. When he shows up to a national event, He doesn't look like one of the best quarterbacks there. So how do you juggle that kind of juxtaposition? And so we kept him as a five-star. He has incredible physical tools. And I do think he's just one of those guys that is a gamer. Like, you put on the lights, you put him out there, he'll make plays, whether it's throwing the ball down the field or running. Miles Graham, Alabama, tried to flip him late, obviously, Ernest Graham's son, so he's a legacy at Florida. And he is like locked in dedicated to make this thing work and i would not be surprised if he plays as a freshman plays a lot he's going to get on the field and then to keep lj mccray like you said he's a a high four star for us i think we're going to maybe regret not making him a five which we project as a first round draft pick one of the guys that i was walking to get my media pass at the all american bowl in a hotel and he walked by me and i was like who the heck is this guy he looks phenomenal so Um, If he could turn it up every play and get after it, there is no doubt that that Napier has the organization and is putting together talent. Uh, But there is a doubt if that all kind of coalesces on the field Um, and he's given any time to do it. So it will be a very interesting year for him. Um, He's got to win now, but he definitely has the talent to do it.
2: All right, last thing for you. Kirby has decided that, hey, Texas, let's recruit there. Um, He went out to Texas, got three of the top, I think, 15 players in the state. He's already Georgia. He can already go wherever he wants. Um, Talk about any or all of the three, if you want. Yeah, and, and this
6: just speaks to Kirby Smart's ability to go anywhere, to get anybody, and to never discount uh, you know, his ability to go and do it. And he's proven it time and again, and what I think kids, especially in sort of today's day and age, really care most about is like, the genuine quality that he actually likes recruiting. Like he likes going to kids basketball games and showing up at schools and going all around and and flying in helicopters and all those kinds of things. And what was even more impressive about this was that Texas, uh, went to the college football playoff this year and Georgia didn't, and still Georgia can go into Texas and get some of those players. So Justin Williams is a freak of nature. Linebacker looks like a million bucks, like exactly what you want a linebacker to look like, justin williams is that guy so he has future star written all over him joseph jonah john was a guy that we had seen for the first time uh nicknamed the nigerian nightmare in in san antonio or i'm sorry in orlando and again just looks phenomenal is a defensive lineman that those guys are going to be able to mold into something really special um and 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 again they they pump out defensive linemen as, as well as any team in the country and i think he's going to be the next one. And then Michael, you and I, the offensive tackle, who's just a monster, um, just huge. Uh, doesn't have it all together yet, but he's, you know, 17, 18 years old, and he's, you know, all of six, six 300 pounds, and, and looks like a first-round draft pick. So a very talented group for Kirby to go into Texas and get those guys, and it just speaks to Georgia's ability and reach to go into California, Texas, the Southeast, south florida basically what alabama had been doing really when the glory years were happening under nick saban when he could just basically go anywhere and get anybody that's what kirby's doing now
2: okay this is not about a player or program but just in general um i want to ask you do facilities matter and i guess to be more specific do they matter now do they matter like they did like three years ago um is it just if it's not gross and old it's good enough um (laughs) where are facilities because it used to be i need a palatial estate or i can't sign a class of 25.
6: yeah i will say this um everyone has facilities now so facilities don't matter uh that is sort of the thinking. Like everyone has state of the art weight rooms. Everyone has all of the cafeteria facilities that they need. Everyone has the training table. If you don't have that, anyone who would care about that. Wouldn't even be looking at your school. So, what matters now is that that money that used to go to, you know, the Jim Jones Athletic Facility or the Jim Jones College of Communication now goes into a collective to get players, to buy players. And I say buy players because, you know, it's still in my brain that that sounds bad and it sounds like blue chips with happy and the, and the nuclear surfboard, but it's not. It's completely legal. It's, it's, part of the rules and you know i think florida and florida state and tennessee are starting to figure out what's what you know how the ncaa is going to interpret some of these rules and it's incredibly murky and hard but kids don't care about facilities nearly as much as they used to they used to go to oregon get blown away uh and commit now they're like all right yeah oregon has probably the nicer nicer facilities than anybody in the country but what's my NIL deal? You know, like that's what they they care about now. Uh, Flooding money into collectives, got Jimbo Fisher, all those five stars at Texas A&M that he didn't do a whole lot with, he got fired. So the expectation on coaches is much higher uh, because a lot of those guys, you know, sipping their martinis up in the boxes, uh, the ones donating the money to get these players there, And they want results. So facilities don't matter as much anymore. It's all about NIL deals.
2: Yeah, as long as it's not a 60-yard field in a Butler building. Like, I mean, you may have had back in the 80s. I mean, you're right, and nobody has that anymore. All right, brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much. Okay, anytime, man. All right, Adam Gourney, National Recruiting Director. That was a thing. Heath, have you ever been to football? like? You've seen the 60-yard indoor field, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you can't kick. And there's no, like the inline, the back line for the end zone. If you're standing against the wall charting or whatever, you're actually in the field of play. Like it's, it's an awful, awful. And that used to be, it was, we have an indoor facility. We have somewhere where if it's raining outside, we're not getting wet. That was basically the, or, or we would go in the gym in the basketball arena and practice college football unreal all right adam gorney i appreciate him coming on we are going to take a break and uh, oh gosh look at us we got to wrap up next
1: now back to southern sports today and the chuck oliver show
2: if you love the afc and nfc Well, two sports titans are counting on. You love the AFC and the NFC. Chuck Oliver show continues on this Friday. Folks, if you don't want me to be suspicious, don't release a little tidbit like this after lunch on a Friday. Have you seen the just-released announcement? The SEC and the Big Ten are creating a joint advisory group to address turmoil in college athletics. Put another way, the two wealthiest conferences in America are announcing on a Friday, hey, it just struck us. We need some guidance. We need some long-range planning in this sport. So, you know what? We're going to get together, put our noggins in the same room, the Big Ten and the SEC, not Conference USA and the Sun Belt. the SEC and the bit folks, when I say, if you love the AFC and NFC, they're counting on you that you love the AFC and NFC because they're about to give you college version of it. They are about to have big, giant, huge 20 team conference, maybe tw- maybe 20. In the Big Ten, big, huge, giant, 20-ish team, 22, 24 team, quote, conference in the SEC. You can be wherever you are. It doesn't matter. I mean, you got AFC and NFC. It works, folks. You can play each other as well. And you can be limited to a total of 64 teams. You can be limited to a total of 32. It works. So, if you're talking about the big 10 and the sec each expanding like they're each at six. It works now. I think they take just a cup. They cherry pick man. And they expand and they have now carpeted the entire country. And it, whatever conference you're in, it doesn't really matter in the NFL, and it's about to not matter as well. I've saw this is Game of Thrones stuff, folks. This was happening three, four years ago, this was coming. So, this is a little Friday news drop. Oh, by the way, we're just going to, you know what? Somebody needs to do something. So, we happen to get in touch with each other, and we'll just, we're going to get together and talk about it.
4: Yeah, a couple of things stand out here. One is that this is from the SEC website. You have a quote from the Big Ten commissioner. Quote, The Big Ten and the SEC have substantial investment in the NCAA, and there's no question the voices of our two conferences are integral to governance and other reform efforts. We recognize the similarity in our circumstances as well as the urgency to address the common challenges we face. And then you obviously have a Sankey quote as well. Chuck, this is the thing you've heard from the beginning. When Tony Petitti became the commissioner of the Big Ten, unlike what you had where Delaney for years had an adversarial relationship, respect, but adversarial was slive. And then you had just the ridiculous Kevin Warren who came in just absolutely tried to run the whole sport off a cliff and uh, an arrogant jackass frankly in the role uh unlike that situation now you have a guy in the Big 10 that Sankey reportedly has a good relationship with and they can work effectively together and so even though they're saying here the advisory group will have no authority to act independently mm-hmm. will only serve as a consultant they're 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 doing everything possible to downplay this and any kind of immediate public expectations. But it's very, very clear that, yes, these two conferences for the first time ever are truly aligned to say, we know we're going to be here. We don't know about the rest of you folks if you're going to be on the island or not, but we know we're going to be here. Yeah, have a playoff without us. And so we're going to be the tribal chiefs right now, and you guys can kind of wait and see what we've got to say.
2: Yeah, Petiti is like game respects game. They know what's going on now, especially with the stakes so high, so that's what's up with this. Um, I do want to mention Heath quickly before I turn it over to you. Um, you're a man of a certain age. Christian Nikoye, you know that man, his nickname? Nigerian Nightmare? Mm-hmm. Are we just spreading this around uh, like any other athlete? Like Christian, we just had, we were talking recruiting, and this uh, 17-year-old, the Nigerian Nightmare, I'm like, no, that's Christian Nikoye. If y'all don't know Christian Nikoye, and you probably don't, If you're younger than 40 or 35, you may not know Christian Okoye, the original Nigerian nightmare, Pro Bowl running back back in the 90s, big giant kid from Azusa Pacific.
4: Look, Chuck, we're in the era where they're remaking Roadhouse. If you can remake Roadhouse, you can remake the Nigerian nightmare. So it's it's a
2: remix. It's a reboot, whatever you want to call it. I'm saying you can't remake Roadhouse. You can film something for an hour and a half and call it Roadhouse. You can't remake Roadhouse.
4: Now, I would agree with you, but that's not where the, the world seems to be. Uh, a couple of quick nuggets here before we go. One, uh, today is a celebratory day for FSU. It is the final day as of yesterday. was the final day of Willie Taggart's deal at FSU. So the uh, Taggart buyout is finally off the FSU books. Uh, meanwhile, Doe Campbell this year going to have capacity of about mid-50s for uh, the construction-related stuff while they try to get things ready to go. For the 2025 season. So they're down
2: down about 20,000 seats then.
4: Yeah, which most games doesn't matter too much in Tallahassee. But for the big game that they have this year, whatever big game or games they have, down about 20. Also Michigan naming Kirk Campbell, its new offensive coordinator, Campbell, was the quarterback's coach. So again, continuity was the reason you make the Shran Moore hire. It makes sense. You also go for continuity in-house with the coordinator hired there. So a couple of quick nuggets before we call it a day.
2: Hey! fantastic all week thank you so much roll to the to the stars loves booking guests and does a great job doing it david on the ones and twos spending gold like always i appreciate everybody coming here two hours of college football conversation solving the problems in that corner of the world at least give us a couple of days we will recharge the batteries and all across the network we'll be back here on monday doing more of this very same radio show i'm chuck oliver and i'll talk to y'all in a few days